All right. Well, welcome to the back to the Duke Basketball Junkies. We uh, took a. It's been three games since we uh, we last got together, right, Pete? It's the downfall of doing emergency podcasts. Yeah, we did that post Carolina one, and then screwed up the rhythm of our weekly podcast. Yeah, my my daughter, my sister, and my niece, and her husband all came into town. They're here for five days. I was running them around Vegas. I blame you, Devin, emergency podcaster. Yeah, Devin. The infamous Devin Gordon strongly encouraged us to podcast right after the Carolina game. If we had done it right after the Carolina game, it might have been okay. But doing it the next day, you had, uh, you know, something had spooked you into not not being happy about the win, and you came off like a big crappy puss on our last episode. We got several complaints from uh, listeners. Uh, they were all hyped up. <laughs> I promised I would bring this bring us to you, Peter. They were all hyped up about the game, excited, bring walking it. on cloud nine. Bring it, and, bring it. Uh, you know, basically, uh, basically, one guy said he had to pull his car car over and <laughs> notify us that he was pissed. You know, he listened to the first fifteen minutes and he just couldn't believe we weren't uh, more excited. Not we, you, me, you, me. Yeah, he was mad at you in particular. Uh, and then he wrote back right after the Clemson game, apologizing. Yes, I said Clemson was going to be close. Yeah. I said we're probably not that good. Yeah. Well, uh, so, yeah, a couple people. Do you, do you want to generally – did you did you listen back to the podcast at all? Do you want to – what did you think looking back at uh, how you handled your uh, grumpy puss uh, nature? You know, did, were you okay with it? Are you okay with the image you're you're projecting here on the podcast? I think, of a cynical. I think you're unfairly characterizing my position. <laughs> Go ahead, give it to us. Give us a short defense. Of what? Of you're, my behavior? Yeah. Am I going to get thrown out of uh, the Duke basketball junkies uh, fraternity? No, no, no. I can't find anyone else to do this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh. Yeah. I'll, I'll defend you a little bit. You're just a super analytical guy. You're not a very emotional guy, except for right in the moment, right? No, it would be... So, if, if I could engage in a dialogue with people, I'd be happy to do it. You know, I, 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 I really like this team. I like how it's trending, but, you know, we've gone 7-0. and But, you know, a few of those games, two or three of them, it wouldn't be shocking if we lost those games. You know, I feel like a couple of them, we actually should have lost them. So I always temper my optimism with, you know, I feel like we should be fortunate for being in the position that we are. UNC, the UNC win was great, UNC but like right off the bat, great. right off the bat, you're like, yeah, but we beat them without one of their best players. That's a, it, that's just a fact. Right, but like, <laughs> no, there was no like, yeah, we beat UNC, and like let's 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 enjoy it, let's talk about how awesome it was, and then at the, I thought at the end we'd say. But, yo, by the way, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is just one win at home against a team without one of their best players. Right. But, like, you came in firing in order to dampen my enthusiasm and the enthusiasm of our yeah, you called, of our listeners, dude. You called me a dick on uh, the podcast. That wasn't very nice. Okay. Well, I'm glad I did. <laughs> so, I don't understand. the, the, the Because I was upset, too. There are more than a few listeners who want an apology. Uh. Hopefully, yeah, they're probably not listening anymore, so <laughs> fuck them, who cares? <laughs> right? Um, so let, let's get into it. Let's get into what's happened since the last podcast. Uh, we could have had a slightly negative podcast after the Clemson game, right? Like, ooh, yeah, it was maybe, it was... maybe it's not for real. But, but then we had two pretty nice games after that against... Virginia and Wake Forest. Nice win at Virginia. Mm, Virginia, yes, but it. I mean, Virginia's really stumbling. They've lost four straight. They're now eighteen and nine. Somehow the computers still love them, um, but they may not be as good of a team as most people had initially thought. And then the Wake Forest game. I mean, again, again, I, more I, negative takes from Peter. I, I'm <laughs> sorry if the truth brings you down, but it was a one possession game down the stretch of the game. You know, like when Crawford was going at the basket, oh man, that basket could have tied it, and it's ar- it's arguable that he got fouled there. So, while I'm super happy that we've won seven straight, I also feel very blessed that we have that we did go seven and zero instead of like five and two, or we could have got we easily could have gotten four and three. I think we played like wait, I think, wait, well, wait. I think the bottom line is we played well, yes. but when we had to make plays, plays were made. Yeah, I mean, clearly that Wake Forest road game, we sh- 
Probably should have lost the game. Shouldn't have won. I mean, let, let's. I mean, let's give some credit to Wake Forest. Wait, Wake played great. Crawford they, and John Collins is this. They're amazing. Great. Yeah. They're great. He's a stud, and and the the whole tempo of Even that Randolph. of that game was just uh, it was just a shootout. It was a, like we shot. If I were to tell you that in that game we shot fifty nine percent on our field goals. And we made 13 of 27 three-point field goals. And we we scored 99 points in the game. You would think we won by like 25 or 30 points. But Absolutely. we actually won by like four or five points. And with, you know, 15 seconds left, they they had the ball down too. You know, like uh, our defense is, is coming together, but I still feel like it's it's lacking on, on especially on, on – to to in uh, like in the interior we have outside of Emil we've got very little interior defense and then Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard still get beat I feel all the time like I mean, Emil committed several bad fouls in the second half against Wake Forest yeah gave up that three point play where it shouldn't have happened it's like these guys uh, very on uns- the interior un- senior like play they like plays. lean their arms out away yeah. from their body but straight. Like yeah. a, like a you know not a not a straight up and down right and they just ex- they somehow expect that's not a foul and Harry Giles does it a yeah lot, but Emil does it too I definitely recall Tatum doing it when when it was a smaller guard that but, he was guarding and all he has to do is be it, big tall physical and vertical and it's it's that's, like they that, think that's being, be being vertical is a is a defense to standing with their arms straight up or a little you know bent over and like moving into a player. While he's yeah. like making a, an aggressive move to the basket, you can't just like run like like slowly move into a player and stay straight up and down. That that's a foul. Yeah, t- and they, t- keep, they keep calling it. Tatum <laughs> has a tendency of reaching also. Yeah, and to add humor to this, Harry Giles does get vertical and tall and raises his arms up, but after his guy has driven by him. <laughs> that that's true. It's, he's yeah, he's good form after the guy's going by. It's weird. He should probably drop his arms and start running and catch him. Right? <laughs> then he swivels his head. He's like, "What's what just happened?" Yeah. Uh, all right. So the Wake Forest win was close to them. We wanted the defense did not come through big in the second half. We gave up a lot of big plays. But Crawford. Yeah, I Crawford was great. We're having, we have issues with these uh, alpha guards, don't we? Um. Yeah, because Frank Jackson isn't in the game as much. Frank Jackson got in there for yeah. like a nice stretch. Yeah, and like kind of remember they took Grayson Allen out at the beginning. Actually, they didn't. Grayson Allen came out two minutes into the second half against Wake Forest. Okay, and they went on a run. Duke went on a run. We we had given up a couple easy baskets. They pulled Grayson Allen. I think it was for defensive reasons. Well, he also uh, badly twisted his ankle. They taped it up real heavily at halftime, so maybe he okay, was, that maybe was just an adjustment period. But Frank, Frank but they, is they just kept him out of the game, past the TV timeout into the all the way almost yeah. to the next one. Because Frank is playing great, and Frank was playing good. Was, the team was playing better defense with Grayson Allen off the he's court. A, he, he's a huge, and he created an offense. That's he's what I'm a saying. huge injection of energy into the offense. He has a he has a very good outside shot. And what I saw in the weight game, he took it to the basket a couple of times, which I feel like sometimes, you know, maybe he just doesn't get into the flow of the game when he's only playing like 17, 20 minutes a game. But if he can, if he can consistently take take the ball to the basket, it's going to open up opportunities for whoever his teammate is, whose opponent is helping off, or it's going to free up more open outside shots for him. Yeah, early in the second half, there he made this play in transition. Coming down the court at full speed, going to his left, yeah, and it was almost like uh, it was like a queen, it's like a queen moving chest. He he just like picked up his dribble, took a step from, you know, like the outside the the free throw line on like the, the you know the key there, and just moved so smoothly to the basket and like laid it in with his left hand. I was like, wow, like wh- why don't we see more of that? Why don't we? See- like we're not, we must not get him in transition enough. Instead, we get Jason Tatum in transition, just bowling guys over like bowling pins. <laughs> and, and as great as Jason Tatum played over the last few games, 
He's, he's, it's still he's not able to move around stationary players yeah. in the open court. I was very, very happy to let's, see in the Wake Forest game that Jason Tatum didn't chuck up 22 shots. So let's get into Jason Tatum for a second because he's the story right now. Is he the story? He's the story right now. He's the story. <clears throat> well, the story is that you oh you didn't give him his proper due Am in the, I the Carolina story? game. Do you remember when I mentioned the block, that amazing block at the beginning of the game? And you couldn't recall it? Did you go back and watch the Carolina game? I did, against against Luke May. Yeah. Yeah, that was fantastic. Incredible. How'd you miss that? (laughs) You're just in a a crowded place Uh, watching the game. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. So many things happen in one one basketball game. Yeah. Sometimes it's tough to remember. Something that happened at the beginning, sure. So he played a pretty good game against Carolina. He had a very good game. He had a really good second half. He was gun-shy in the first half. Um, In the second half, he, he came to play. Yeah, on on all levels, not just scoring. So one rebounding, of the, defense. One of the complainers said you you were hard on. You're still hard on Jason Tatum. I, people should be hard on Jason Tatum. Because okay, because. Well, he's he could be so great. That's what I want to hear. He could be so great. That's what I want to hear. Though. That's what yeah. we want to hear. We want to hear about that. You know, because sometimes it's a little unclear. You just make like a like a negative comment off the cuff. A little therapy here. You mean truthful comments? This is the way you treat your friends this way, too. By the shooting you, percentage? You don't, you don't give people enough love sometimes, Peter. You're just, uh, you know. This is cut, a Duke basketball the, podcast, You cut right? to the quick. This is not a uh, so self-help uh, therapy podcast. So in three games since, Jason Tatum has shown to be what? Give me, give me, give me your thoughts and opinions about uh, you're happy with the shot selection against Wake. His role in the offense is getting a little more clear. Uh, overall, though, what's what? What are you thinking about Jason Tatum? I I think he's he's playing up to his his uh, talent slash ability. I feel, I feel like he could be truly great. But I NBA Hall of Famer um, potentially. He looks like I mean, he I, could be right. You like you, you're starting to you really throw see that it. term around <laughs> super cavalier. You know, you just toss around all the time. Did you see him Mason play? Mason Plumley. Did you see him play against the Cavaliers? Harry Giles. Did you see him Julia Lokafor. I mean, did any... you see him play against the Cavaliers? Who? Tatum. He scored half the points. Yeah, he he got hot from from three. Yeah, but not just hot from three. He was he was making moves that were completely undefendable because of his size and his height and his quickness. It I, it wasn't so much moves. It was just like one dribble to the left to free himself, just to give him a little bit of separation on a three point shot. It was just well, he, the move was a jab, the, yeah, yeah, the, the jab, jab step because yeah. he can get by you, and then he step step back three, yeah, with like confidence. It was like such a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, he. I mean, remember during the season when he was struggling, he was shooting like thirty one, thirty two percent from three. You know, I I I said. If you look at his free throw percentage, he's a great shooter. He shoots like eighty five percent from the free throw line. So he's he's running below expectations. He's our best free throw shooter now, isn't he? He is. Like yeah. yeah. He is. It's I'm actually interested to see who Coach K puts on the line in the NCAA tournament for uh technical fouls. Um but going back to Jason Tatum, yeah, I, I feel like he could be great, but I feel like he could also be uh like out of control. Yes. You know, without the proper sort of management or senior leadership or coaching, I feel like he could, you know, like on this particular team, he's surrounded by great talent. But maybe on his high school team or his AAU team, he was surrounded by less talented people. And he could get away with shooting like 25 times a game. And we talked about it. He was playing hero ball a lot. And he played hero ball down the stretch against UVA, but just... He was just feeling it, and he was doing it. Like you know, if you make five straight threes, keep shooting them, buddy. You yeah, know? I mean, he still he still had a few, you know, less than high percentage shots, but you know, he was shooting great. You know, go at it. Yeah, but on the, on this particular team, it's we have three guys like we, that. We actually have a bunch of guys. Yeah. Well, Kennard, Grayson Allen, and Tatum can all take over a game. Who else can? Frank Jackson could. I think next year, his sophomore year. Next year, next year, he Frank will Jackson. be. This is probably going to be his team. Um, well, I'll tell you what, it's not going to be. There's going to be a lot of returning players in this team. But uh, okay, Frank Jackson. Frank, ja- I'd love to see Frank Jackson 
emerge even more. The problem is all those guys, all those guys are three point shooters. Not a problem. It's a good thing, but none of them are. Kennard's probably been the most effective penetrator out of those three guys, and I wouldn't have expected that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but all, again, like all all those guys can penetrate. Yeah, Luke, some, Luke, Luke just happens to do it more than all the others, but he's a more efficient. Yeah, all all of them should do that. Yeah, Kennard Kennard certainly turns the ball over less than those guys. Um, I actually don't think that's true. Uh, I do. I think he's a little he's, he's a little less reckless. I think both Grayson and Tatum are like somewhat somewhat reckless uh, you yeah. know, with the ball. On the move. Yeah, I mean Tatum definitely leads the team in turnovers. Then I think it's Kennard, then Grayson. All right, Grayson, fifty-seven turnovers in seven hundred eighty-seven minutes. Tatum, forty-nine turnovers in five ninety-five. So that's more turnovers per minute. And Kennard, forty-three turnovers in the most minutes, nine forty-seven. So Kennard turns the ball over the least, but you know. Per minute, yeah. I just assume I'm always right. I don't know why I even looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> per minute, uh, yeah, he's the least turnovers of the three. Allen has the most number of turnovers, but Jason Tatum has the least number of minutes, which is fine. He Luke for sure, definitely. Um, when he has the ball, I almost never am upset after the possession. Yeah, you know, like even when Grace strip when Grace when Grayson has the ball and, and Tatum has the ball, like. At, at the conclusion of the possession, a lot of times you're like, you're like, what are you doing? You yeah. know. But with Luke, it's it's almost never like that. I mean, Grayson's up to thirty nine point five percent shooting from three. Kennard's shooting. F- you mean Tatum, not Grayson? I'm sorry, I'm looking at field goal percentage. Like Kennard's uh, shooting over forty five percent from three, and over fifty two percent from the field. Yeah. So nobody matches those numbers. Like. Of course, you want you want him shooting the ball all the time as much as you can. But he's against UVA, and even against Wake Forest to some extent, they were taking away Kennard. He didn't have a lot of open looks. They were Wake Forest wasn't going to get burned the same way by Kennard again. That's for sure. And Did, didn't he still have a pretty good game? Yeah, he had a, he had a good 20, game. Twenty-three points. Yeah, but he had a, he had a, he had to do a lot of it from sort of those. Pivot Ship, plays, in between plays, and the inside. He had yeah. he had that one where he went at the basket, did a reverse underneath the bucket righty layup. Mm-hmm. You know he's ambidextrous, so it's not as impressive. But that was filthy. He's a filthy, filthy player. <laughs> he is. We, my point is, uh, generally we have we have five three point shooters all shooting above thirty five percent on right. the season. Matt, Matt Jones and Frank, Frank Jackson. Matt Jones, Frank Jackson, Alan Kennard, Tatum. And they all seem to be shooting better lately. I mean, which isn't surprising. We've won the last seven games. Yeah. But uh, it's a good thing, you know. It's a great thing. It's a good thing to hang yeah. your hat on. It's a great thing, and, and especially... Those shots are worth three points instead of two. Yeah. But it would be nice to reliably get stops. Against teams with with like big time offensive players, we're we're shooting great from three, and we're either defending the three great, or we're getting super lucky on other teams shooting the three poorly. Um, because apparently we're like lucky and unlucky against Virginia Tech. Unlucky, you know. Had someone point that out to me. Yeah. Like how good are these guys? These teams running again when we were on that little losing streak or that, right. that bad run? Like it just seemed like shots were in the second half. All threes were going down. Yeah. And lately, it seemed like very few threes are going down. Uh, and I guess that's just the way it is when you're losing. There's a reason you're losing. <laughs> We're still not blowing teams out. We're still we didn't blow UVA out. We it seemed like we outplayed them by a little bit. It seemed you know it's a big road win. They they just can't seem to score. They yeah I was not I was they, not impressed by their yeah, offense. They, but they probably shot poorly against they, us. They don't have an interior. Scorer. I think the guy that they were looking to was that transfer Austin Nichols, who Tony Bennett kicked off immediately, like one game into the season. Yeah, stuff like when stuff like that happens, they're not as talented as they were. I actually feel, I feel better about Tony Bennett as a coach and as a man for having principles or whatnot. Tony Bennett seems seems like one of the, he's one of the guys. He's one of that next generation of coaches that he's going to be a factor for a long time. Yeah, <clears throat> it doesn't matter if he doesn't have overwhelming talent. I wish Tony, wish we could bring in Tony Bennett to uh, to coach defense. <laughs> but I, 
Yeah, we, we so bottom line, we won three games. We didn't blow teams out. There were three good – every conference wins a good win. We're, we're in position. We're only one game out of first place in the ACC. Yeah, and that, like, that's actually – We did actually, not expect to be there, right? Right. I mean, we were three and four. We were pretty much going to be three and five, you know, save that uh, Luke Kennard crazy three against Wake Forest to bail us out. And then we've just run the table since then. And looking at the remaining four games – we should be favored in the next three games until we go to UNC for our final regular season game. For for yeah. a loss, for like a pretty pretty sure we're gonna lose that game, right? No, I mean I feel great. Yeah, we're I gonna feel, take. I feel them. good about this team. We're gonna shoot them out of the building. Shoot them out of the Dean Dome. We're we're shooting so well. Uh, yeah, I mean I don't I don't know that we're gonna be big. We're not gonna be big favorites at Syracuse and Miami. We'll be yeah, a, probably not. Yeah. I mean the ACC is and great. We got Florida State. There are four tough games actually. Yeah, three on the road. And uh, if you know, I, I love the way that, you know, I love the fight. It just seems like we're ready to fight. You know, at least the guys that are that are able to make it onto the court. Yeah, and if <laughs> and if somebody's off or two of the guys are off, there's there are a few other people who are yeah. willing and capable of uh, taking over the scoring load. Yeah, it's 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 real interesting. I mean, you know, it's, the team we have is not the team we thought we were gonna have. But I, I really like this team we have at this point. Yeah, uh, the, the biggest, the biggest surprise, is the Harry Giles, right? Preseason expectations versus what we have. Yeah, Harry Giles didn't play, play at all in the second half of any of these games, right? Maybe not a much. few minutes. Not maybe. much. But he actually played like significant minutes He's, in the first half, and his is playing a little better. Yeah, he. How can he not, like Coach K just? He played really well in the Virginia game. Really well, and then but, he doesn't get in the game again. But but again, like we're we're saying he played really well, and he he scored five points, grabbed three boards, maybe got a few steals. That's not yeah, those that, two those two steals were huge plays. They they were, but what I'm saying is, I mean, you brought the point of like this team isn't what we thought it was going to be, and it's because preseason we thought Harry Giles was going to be Chris Webber, Chris Webber, <laughs> somebody somebody phenomenal, like a like a mixture of Jaleel Okafor. With the outside shooting of, you know, Anthony Davis, just all these unrealistic expectations. Like yeah. literally, everyone to the man said this is the best high school prospect. Since. Last year's number one high school prospect was Ben Simmons. Yeah, and he, Ben Simmons disappointed slightly. Was still the number one pick in the NBA draft, and like had a game where he scored forty points and twenty rebounds. Yeah, I mean he. Harry he, Giles has a, a. Ben Simmons averaged like twenty four, but he was healthy. Like twenty twenty six. Fifteen and six. No, nah, he, didn't, he didn't average that. He it was something insane. He, he, Harry Giles is averaging five points and four four rebounds a game. I wish he was averaging five points and four rebounds a game. Yeah, he uh, a friend uh, sent me a link. Uh, there's a pretty good story on CBS uh, Sports mm-hmm. on Harry Giles, and it's a lot of self reflection on on his end about like what his expectations were coming into the season and how sobering that was because uh, obviously. Roles have changed. Like he's just basically a, a sub now. He's uh, he's like he's Marshall Plumley off the bench his yeah. sophomore year. He's like the seventh man on, on this team. He spells Emil Jefferson. If he plays well, he might get like 15, 20 minutes, and if he doesn't, he'll get like five or ten minutes. And he he can't do what he was capable of doing two years ago. And he did well, play nineteen minutes against UVA, and then against Wake he played four. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's all over the map. So, you know, even even like uh, three three months ago, three four months ago, he was the projected number one overall lottery pick. Yep. And and now now nobody knows what to do. Yeah, no one knows what to make of him. And he so the article, if if you're a fan, um, you know, check check it out because he's a uh, he 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 spoke on it. Yeah, it deals with like. The inner struggles, like should I just sit out the year? Am I letting down my family? Like I don't want to come to Duke and not play basketball just to protect my NBA draft potential. And then when he did play, he was he was such a big disappointment. You know, like how does a nineteen year old kid internalize all that? And he's like, by nature, he's just happy go lucky, super friendly, super gregarious. It does uh, seem like a it's, just, nice it's, it's a sort of a kid. sad yeah, it's a sad story. But it's uh, it reveals a lot about him. Oh, I hope it has a happy ending. Uh, 
and I, I'm still rooting for him to get more minutes. I like seeing him on the court. I would love to see him and Marquise Bolden both get 15, 20 minutes. Like Bolden, Bolden got maybe like six minutes in the first half of one of these games. And, and he, he got, played real well, like I real energetic. He, I thought he played pretty well, and then yeah, he, he was got moving really zero well. minutes in the in the second half when the game is on the line and Coach K only trusts Emil Jefferson. Yeah, which seems like a mistake. Like there's no like, reason. Like a big picture mistake. Like these kids are yeah. like, especially Bolden and Jaws, they're only going to get better with significant, meaningful minutes. Like not six or seven or four minutes or ten well, minutes. I, they're going to gain that confidence with those minutes, maybe. But coach, it's that Coach K has to build confidence in them in order for them to be a factor come tournament time. Right, I mean, it's only a few weeks away, yeah. and it's clear that you know the fact that he's giving them minutes in the first half, and then then like you know, Coach K tightens up in the second half in close games. It's clear Coach K doesn't have the confidence in them, and if he doesn't have the confidence now, I don't know if it, that's gonna gonna happen for the rest of the season, and it's the kind of thing that could lead, you know, basically leads us to underutilizing the resources at our disposal. Yeah. And like these guys are big prospects for a reason. Harry Giles does look better. Bolden does seem to be moving really well. Does Harry Giles look better? You know, I don't know if you noticed, but against um, in the last game or two, he was setting screens better yeah. on offense and and moving to the basket faster. And there was a couple times he flashed open, yeah, and they could have hit him for dunks. Yeah, but they're not used to looking for the screener. Yeah, he's, and he's Bolden too. He's so excited. To cut to the basket, I feel like he doesn't actually set the screen hard enough. I felt that way before. Like, he still doesn't. He's still not a great screen setter. Yeah. Like not even close to. Not even a good one. But you know. But but he fl- he flashed open. He's moving. He's moving better. I think he's moving better. I think it's clear. But yeah. Um, yeah, obviously he's not ready to be who he's supposed to be yet. Marquise Bolden also seems like if you could just envision Bolden's moving well. Can you imagine him in a pickup game, car gym? Uh, I, I can't imagine really playing against these. Uh, People would say guys. that guy is Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. So how could he not be getting twenty minutes a game? We have the same problems with the, the too short of a rotation, the six man rotation with that, like just pity minutes for the seven and eight spots. When we we should have more depth, we should be able to play these guys more. And all those guys might be the best player on like UVA. But the ship has sailed, right? Yeah, it might have. You know, this is just how Coach K does. Just the way it is. He goes to a six, six or seven man rotation. You know, I've never seen this happen with guys as talented as that. I mean, uh, I, I remember complaining about Marty Pocious never getting in the game and yeah, Tim Dzowski never getting in the game. Those guys didn't deserve it. But in '99, when we had, when we were deep, <laughs> yeah, Corey we Maggette, Chris Burgess, Carwell, Carwell played a lot of minutes off the bench. No, Carwell was a starter. He was a starter. Yeah, Corey Maggette played a lot of minutes off the bench. He played. He came off the bench. Burgess got minutes off the bench. Yeah, like it wasn't like it wasn't quite like this. Maybe Burgess got a similar. Uh, amount yeah, of I don't. I don't think this has just been the way Coach K does things. That that team, I felt like they ran they ran more players out on the court with more regularity, and early in the season, I got it that people were injured. Now it seems like you're talking this season. This season, yeah. Now it seems like they could do it, and uh, I hope. I hope they start doing it over the next couple games. We'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, you know, uh, Coach K has has said um, recently that if this were an NBA season, Emil Jefferson and, and Grayson Allen, he would sit him for like two weeks. But the college basketball season is so short, and you have to consider other things like NCAA seeding, stuff like that. I mean, he didn't actually say that, that last part. But he's like, these two guys aren't practicing. They're just suiting up for games. I see. Um, so... Yeah. You know, they're yeah. they're not healthy. I still wish we were healthy. Yeah, if we were healthy, they're not fully er, healthy. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal. But uh, they're, they're we're going to the war with the guys we have and the health we have, right? Yeah. Um, so well. what else? Uh, we got these four games coming up. We got two games this week. Yeah, uh, Syracuse tomorrow at, at, at Syracuse. At Syracuse, I think that's going to be a tough game. I'm I'm actually interested. Syracuse is sixteen and twelve. Yeah, they're good. But yeah, they're good. They're good at home. Yeah, every ACC road game is is a tough game for sure. And uh, I'm interested to see who Coach K has as that guy who attacks their zone right. Right, he usually sets a guy right at the free throw line. 
mm-hmm. as like an attack point or entry point, like it's, a pivot point. It's Jason Tatum. Tatum? 100%. For sure. I mean, Emil, Emil kept some passes there, but yeah. Emil's not a threat to shoot from there. Right. That's the problem. The, the perfect guy was was, guy was Rodney Hood back in the day. He made a bunch of jumpers there, could pass, dribble. Mm-hmm. Tatum, I feel like when he catches the ball there, if he puts the ball on the floor, I mean, he's 6'8", and it's such a big distance, easy steal opportunity for Syracuse. Yeah, Tatum, Tatum is showing out now. He's showing out the way you imagine a guy of his caliber. Of his he's a peacock. He's, he's he looks like one of these guys now. He didn't look like one of these guys right away. Like it looked like he had the potential to be one of those guys. Always look like he had the potential. Always, yeah. But now you're really seeing it. You're showing it's showing what being in practice, getting those reps, getting healthy, the difference it can make. I mean, it's not like he wasn't. It's not like he's improved that much as a basketball player. Over the last six he's weeks, he's performed better. He's which just feeds into the confidence, to, which just better. like you know. Yeah. Uh, so what else do we have to talk about? Any other news? Any other news? Any other news? Anything to discuss? Um, you know, we got a couple a uh, couple more games coming. I've been busy with uh, the baby. The baby's, you know, still doing okay. <laughs> I've had a lot of family. I haven't been able to. Focus. We still haven't caught a game together once, right? I've given up on you. I invited you twice. I've given up on you. You're just never like you're never awake in the mornings. You sleep till two. It's never gonna happen. <laughs> well, which game could we could we watch together? Maybe uh, that hundred percent UNC game on the road. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent is really high. It's not a weeknight, is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I think it might be. All right, uh, I think it's a Wednesday. Jeff Capel Sr. on the bench. Touching moment. That was great to see. Yeah. That was great to see. Kids gave him the game ball afterwards. Yeah. He looked I, good. He looked good in that suit. Yeah. He's, he looked great. It's got to be so tough for Jeff. and. Uh, well, I love how they're turning a negative into a positive. Yeah. I love how they're taking something that many people would just keep completely private and would be... Uh, like just pure tragic, pure tragedy in their lives, and they're doing something for charity. They're, it's not going to be for no reason. Something good is going to come of it. Raising and money it, for ALS. And it's inspirational. And Jeff Cable is going to feel good about it. And Jeff Cable Senior is going to feel good about it. Or Jeff, actually, he's the third and the second, right? But um, it, it just it seems like you know the program being as cohesive as it is. The, the, it's these a family. Are, yeah, it's a family. It really does seem that way. Yeah, and these are some of the things, like, like some of the gifts that you know that can happen. Did you see that? Um, come from the sense of family, right? Yeah, and it's really wonderful. In that, in the UVA game, the announcers for the game, it was a crossover thing on Wednesday where the NBA announcers come over and the college announcers go to the NBA. Freaking Doug Jay, Collins. Jay Billis and Doug Collins. Doug Collins, man. Doug Collins is so good. He's such a clown, though, as a coach. Is he? And he's such what? a great, he's such a good announcer. What makes you think he's a clown as a coach? I mean, he had he had the Jordan Bulls. Okay. In, and, in the early years. Yeah. And Jordan ran him out of town, right? I mean, they had to get rid of him. They had to bring in someone else to complete the job. Jordan like he ran was given, out of town? Well, he was given the greatest gift a coach has ever gotten. The best player of all time shows up and is the most competitive player of all time, right? Yeah. And, and like, he gets shown the door for a reason. It's because right? Jordan didn't understand the game his first six or seven years. Then he moves to Detroit. Detroit. Has Grant Hill. Mm-hmm. He only, he's only there a couple of years, right? They never do anything. It's because Alan Houston left. Okay. He um, His last stop in the NBA was with the Philadelphia 76ers. Actually not true. There was a stop in between. Well, I didn't... Yeah, he's had many stops. The greatest of all time asked him to co- coach him again. Oh, was he, was he in Washington? Yes. And how did that go? How did you... I mean... <laughs> Come George, on, man. George 41. <laughs> I was just saying. So I mean, probably Jordan didn't run him out of town in Chicago. There's only he, two coaches. There's only two coaches that couldn't win a championship or even get to a championship with Michael Jordan, and it was Doug Collins twice. Then he goes to the Sixers, 
And he's he's part of that 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 trade, that Andrew Bynum trade. That you you're know, still bitter about? You can't let go? Six? No, it's just whatever. He, uh, Doug Collins is, is considered a joke in the city of Philadelphia by the Sharp fans. Any Anybody who is that good as an analyst... <laughs> and he's a great we, player. We don't, we, don't, we don't know... Well, I mean, uh, let me just say, if, if you're a great analyst, I feel like you're a great coach. And I think Doug Collins is a fantastic the fact, analyst. The fact that he couldn't be more successful as a coach and the, that he's such a great analyst... I mean, Jay Billis is a great coach. I mean, what are you talking about? Dick Vitale? Jay Billis, coached two years, two national championships. Uh, uh, graduate assistant. <laughs> while he went to law school. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was more than what you accomplished while you were at Duke Law. That's so much more. You know what I did when I was at Duke Law? <laughs> On, online gambling. <laughs> we don't have to go there. Online gambling, and I uh, started my photography career. But uh, fair enough. I mean, Doug Collins is of... A great player, number one overall pick, four-time four All-Star, Olympian, Olympian. Yeah, you know, lost in the Olympics. Not his fault. They won that game, but you know, they got hosed. I, I Russian felt, judges. I felt like I felt like just going off on him about like blaming him for that Olympic yeah, loss I mean, just now. But but I'm yeah. surprised that you're going off on him. I think he was a great player, he, coach. He analyst. was great announcing that game. I really did enjoy yeah. the analysis and. Him and Billis together. Him and Billis together. Were pretty, great. pretty strong. Talking yeah. about their neighbors, that was hilarious. How great is Jay Billis? Like he's just so sharp, always on top of it. His observations are are dead on. Yeah. You know. Doesn't hold punches, but he he he's always classy and tactful. He doesn't he, dumb he anything doesn't. down. He yeah. speaks intelligently. He uses big words. Yeah. But he doesn't sound pretentious doing it. Uh, he's one of my two favorite. He's there are only two people in college basketball I listen to: Jay Billis and Mark Titus. Okay. Who's your favorite announcer come tournament time? Tournament time? I have two. Are they all CBS people? Yeah, CBS guys. Guys who work for CBS. Like, it's a bunch of Duke guys. Uh, I don't like Seth. Is it Seth Davis? Seth's a studio analyst. I mean, calling the games. I I don't really care for Grant Hill. I I actually like Bill Rafferty. (laughs) I've, I love Bill Rafferty. <laughs> Bill Rafferty man. is great. Send it in, big fella. Uh, we love. I love Bill Rafferty. All his little and, sayings and, and I, his. He's basically like Dick Vitale's cousin. Nah, man, he's he's. But better. Yeah, you know, if, Vitale's if, just if, over the if top. You're, if your two cousins are one you can't stand and one you love to death, you know one. <laughs> I and uh, Clark Kellogg. Give me, I like. Give, Clark, me, give me Clark Kellogg Clark, all day yeah, long. I like Clark Kellogg a lot. Yeah, I'd like to see Jay Billis and Clark Kellogg together. That's that's my dream team. Could that ever happen? Uh, I don't know. I'm just glad. I'm glad Billy Packer's gone. That guy was the worst. Is he, did he die? Hmm? Did he die? No, he just. I think he retired. I think he's done calling the national championship games. Billy Packer. Yeah, no more Billy Packer. All right. Well, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Can we, what what time are we at right now? Thirty eight minutes. It's uh, enough. For let's right. talk about get back the, to the baby. NCAA seating real quickly. Okay, NCAA seating. Yeah, uh, where are we at, Peter? You're the expert. Um, we were at the four when the committee. The committee actually released their you know midseason seedings. We were the number sixteen seed, like the the worst four seed basically. This was how long ago? A few weeks back. Okay, but I think we've played our way. Most people say we're like a three. Yeah, I think I think right now, if it was right now, we'd be a three. Right. So. Uh, like we discussed last time, Gonzaga is going to be one seed in the West. I don't think we have a chance to be a one seed. Kansas, one seed Midwest. Yeah. Villanova, one seed East. Yep. There's going to be one final one seed in the South. It's probably going to go to either the ACC champion or to the best team coming out of the um, Pac-10. I don't think they do it that way. Do it what way? I, you know, they, they, they certainly never wait to see wins like the ACC tournament championship. Like mm-hmm. They they usually underweight those like conference tournament championship games because they happen so late. Oh no, no I, w- I wasn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily the saying the tournament winner. Yeah, I was just saying the most impressive team in that conference. I see. Yeah. I, so I, de- depending on how isn't Baylor highly highly rated? Baylor stinks. UCLA is highly rated. Baylor lost their last two two games. Okay. Um, they stink, huh? I think they stink. Like. <laughs> I can't take Baylor seriously. Their coach is Scott Drew. 
who has decent results, but he just doesn't look like a good coach. In the same vein, like uh, like Wade Phillips, if you just looked at him, you'd be like, that guy can't be a good coach. Yeah, a lot of people have thought Wade Phillips was a good coach over you know, various times, but uh, he doesn't quite get over the hump. I guess Oregon's making a case. Probably Oregon or UCLA. Or Arizona, but the computers or hate North him. Carolina goes on a run to finish the year. North Carolina could, could get there. We're one game back, and North Carolina still has to play Virginia, Louisville, and Duke. Yeah, I mean, if, if we run the table, we're going to be the one seed. Yeah, if we run the table, certainly. Sure. But, you know, given our history out west... But I think if, if no don't. ACC team does step up in like that, I think I think it's probably going to go to... Pac-10 school. One of these Pac-10 schools, yeah. Right, but the committee did give the ACC a ton of love. I mean, they out of the 16 teams that they did a few weeks back, mm-hmm. I think five were ACC... And Wisconsin at the time was like twenty-one and three or something, and they were outside yeah. the top sixteen. I mean, I think I think for sure. Actually, there were no big there were no Big Ten teams in the top sixteen. Yeah, I mean, if we only lose one game down the stretch, we're at least a two seed. And if we lose two games down the stretch, I think we could still be a two seed, possibly more likely a three. Mm-hmm. And if we lose three or three games or more, I think we we might drop down to a four or a five seed. I think yeah. losing three games is certainly a possibility. You know, at UNC, we play Florida State, and then two road games plus the ACC tournament. I, I mean, think definitely the, a possibility. I think the most likely numbers are two and three. How many losses we're going to get? Yeah, and like zero seems pretty unlikely. It's just so many games. Yeah, uh, you know, one. I think you know, two is probably the most likely with one and three next. Three a little more likely to one. So three losses, I'd say they're going to be a three or four seed. With two, they'll be a three seed, possibly small chance of two. With one loss, will be a two with a very small chance of one. So yeah, that's that, that's how I would see it. Yeah. They lose four th- of these games. Like I think three of the last with four, three, three losses, we might drop. Seed, yeah, we, five or six. With seed. three losses, I think we might drop yeah. lower than you you think. But I mean, I just want to say that our track record is so good coming out of the south and so bad out west. I mean, obviously very small sample size, but. We just always seem to lose that Sweet 16 game in California almost yeah. every time. Going so, back to J.J. Reddick's freshman year against Kansas. And then we lost to Arizona. Then we lost to Oregon. Just to remind everyone that when we won the national championships, <clears throat> what seeds were we? 2010? One. One seed. 2015, one seed. But both times coming out of the South, the South Regional. 2001? Uh that was a one seed. One seed, but Arizona in the uh, to get to the final four, right? Or no, was we beat Arizona four? in the title game. Beat Maryland in this in the yes. final four game. Yeah, we were a one seed. Um, wow, we were in the we ninety one and ninety two. Ninety two. That's too far back. Okay, well, ninety two for sure. We were a one seed. We were dominant. Ninety one. I don't remember. I don't remember. Send us an email. Give us a call if you remember possibly what seed we were in 91. And that's it. We pretty much have to be a one seed to win the tournament. Is that what we just proved? That's why I was <laughs> laughing at you when you said Coach K is great as an underdog. Well. <laughs> Based on that one game. Uh, yeah. He's no Tom Izzo. Like, when we're four, five, or six, you we're done. Well. Don't, wonder- pick, don't pick us to win your office bracket pool. Okay, fair enough. What do you think the Duke UNLV point spread was in 1991 in that that semifinal? And by the way, we were a two seed. 1991. That was the second time they they lost by 30 in the previous year. Uh, yeah. I don't know. 12, 12 and a half, 13. This was the greatest UNLV team of all time, right? They, they've been undefeated. Yeah, undefeated. I'd say 12 or 13. All right, so. You know what this says? This source I'm looking at only goes back to 2003, so that'll be a trivia question we'll answer for next week when we uh, when we do the podcast again. You're if we ever point. do this again, you're on point today, Mike. I'm on it. I'm on <laughs> it. I mean, I found the perfect website. Uh, while we're talking about, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a quick quick trivia quiz. We'll see if you how good you are. Uh, since to you know since every Final Four since 2003 that we've been to, Duke versus Connecticut, 2004. 
Shavley Randolph's uh, last stand. What are you asking? What was the point spread? What was your guess? Um, Luol Dang. Duke Shavley minus Randolph. Duke minus two and a half. Uh, Connecticut minus two. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, the next time we were in the Final Four, it was all the way 2010. Uh, in the semifinals, we played West Virginia. You know what the line was? I don't even remember that game. Duke, that Duke minus six. Duke minus two and a half. We didn't, we, we didn't miss a shot in that game. That was that was probably one of the best games that I've seen us play. And uh, 2015 against Michigan State, the game we uh, we showed up ten minutes late for. Duke minus seven and a half. Duke minus five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see, in the title game, Duke Louisville in 1986. I mean, back to Jay Billis's years. You got me. That was never nervous purpose. Yep. We lost by three. It's probably a very small spread. Duke, Duke was minus one. Okay. Uh, for some reason, it says nineteen ninety Duke. You only beat no line. <laughs> Kansas Duke championship game. Oh, actually, uh, yeah. There was probably a rule, like UNLV can't be on the board. Oh, that's because, what it was because you know they're they're here. It'd be too easy to do point shaving stuff. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was no online gambling back then. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um. Okay, so after they beat UNLV in the semis, they got to the finals against Kansas. They were a two seed. They were a two seed, so they, they and uh, Kansas was a three seed. They just beaten UNLV. What do you think the line was? Minus two and a half. Duke. Duke minus three. Good guess. Uh, Ninety-two against uh, Michigan. Chris Weber's team in the finals. Uh, we win this game by twenty. Duke minus. Five and a half. Exactly right. Boom. Well, I mean, Michigan was a like a six seed, I think. Michigan was a six seed. Back in the finals in 94 against Arkansas. 40 minutes of hell. Duke minus three. Uh-uh. Arkansas minus six. Way off. Wow. Yeah. Scotty Thurman is that three. Lucky, lucky three. We were two seed that year. And then 2001 against Arizona. Playing against uh, Richard Jefferson and Lauren Woods. Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas. What happened to that guy? You have a point spread guess? Duke. Minus three. Way off. Arizona minus four. No, get out of here. Uh-huh. Arizona minus four. We won by ten. We were the one seed. They were the two seed. Arizona was like red hot. And they were loaded with NBA players. Loaded. They also had a guy who ended up being a rebounder for the Heat. Uh, Michael Dickerson? No, not Michael Dickerson. Lauren Woods, Richard Jefferson, Gilbert Arenas. Gilbert Arenas went like 0 for 9. He had like a broken hand. He didn't carry. He just kept shooting. Jason Tatum style. Let's take a moment to thank Mike Dunley for hitting those three (laughs) straight threes down the stretch and opening up that lead. Uh, Michael Dunley is now like... uh, Yeah, what, what happened there in Cleveland? Like... Like, uh, LeBron recruits him. He's all excited. He's always wanted to play with Mike Dunleavy. And then he ships him out midseason. I think he just he just doesn't have a lot left in the tank. But then uh, he wanted to play on a winner. For some reason, he refused to report to the Hawks. Yeah, he, and then he got talked into it. Yeah, I mean, I, he's probably bitter about being recruited to play with a potential championship team and then getting the boot halfway through. Yeah, I have no idea, but they, they were able to pick up Kyle Korver, who's just a way better three-point right, shooter. Right, I, so, I, I get that. So I it may, it may that. not have been personal. I mean, seems like. I mean, if 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 LeBron is if LeBron is actually pulling all the strings, I'd feel I'd be pretty bitter if I were him. He has no role in the team, you know. Once they bring in Corbin, I I also felt the same way about uh, Golden State last year. You know, like um, apparently Draymond Green and Steph Curry were sort of working things behind the scenes to get Kevin Durant. So that whole last season, get the door. No, no, no. Well. That whole season, they're, yeah, they're 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 working those things, but Harrison that, Barnes. That's like how how can Harrison Barnes ever look at those guys in the face again? Like they're they've won seventy three games that season. They're right on the cusp of winning the championship. Harrison Barnes has no problems. He has no problems. He's got no problems, man. Harrison Barnes is fine. Harrison Barnes is fine. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. I mean, I, I would. If I were Harrison Barnes, I feel like I would have a bigger beef with the Golden State players than he's Russell Mark, does he, with uh, Kevin Durant. He's, he's got Mark Cuban, you know, massaging him. You know, he can be the man. He, he can shoot twenty times a game. You know how much fun it is to play from play for Dallas and be like the leading scorer on the team. You know, pretty good. Pretty good spot. Dallas is pretty nice. No state income tax. California's high state income tax. 2010, Duke Butler. Barely won. Barely survived. Uh, this, Coach K does that. This, this crazy was, this ordering was, the, the, uh, this, the miss. What a, what a this terrible coach. Wor- it's the worst coaching decision ever, and he gets away with it because Gordon Hayward missed the shot. But if Gordon Hayward makes the shot, everyone's going to be saying, Hey, Coach K, why did you instruct Brian Zubek to miss that second Why would you throw? want to take a chance on losing the why? game? Why? When he, you have a chance he, to make it, take it only time. He actually had an answer. That's that's yeah. the craziest part. Yeah, he had thought He's it like, out. yeah, I wanted to up the chaos theory factor. Yeah, people are like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Yeah, I didn't feel like we could win in overtime. I just didn't feel like we could do it, so I wanted to take our chances there. I felt like if he missed that free throw, it's going to make it much tougher for for them to get the rebound, dribble up the length of the court. There was like three point eight seconds he's just, left. He just guy. He just he's had a hunch. There's, if there's, it was like a weird hunch play. If there's two seconds left, I can understand. If there's like 1.8 seconds left, I can understand. But 3.8, that's a long time. That's I mean, too long. Hayward got off a clean look. Yeah, if, if there was one second left on the clock, it completely makes sense. Oh. Because how could you get the rebound and fire up a makeable shot? Right. But that there was four seconds on the clock, awful. You, you, it doesn't make any sense. All right, Duke Butler, the line? Duke minus three. Duke minus seven. It, that got bet down a lot. I feel like it closed at two and a half. These uh, might be opening lines. Who knows? Who knows? I'm just looking at the list. Last one, Duke, Wisconsin. That was pretty much pick'em. This is Wisconsin minus one, but that doesn't sound right to me. Yeah, it was, it was one either direction. It, it okay. sort of like seesawed back and forth. Okay, so there we go. Um, there was one other thing I, uh, I wanted to bring up real quick. And then we'll, uh, we'll we'll officially wrap. But you forgot. But I, f- I forgot. I thought of it while I was looking at these point spreads. <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah, one more thing. Quinn Cook. Yeah, he's tearing it up. I, I NBA trade deadline. I, and like I hear uh, New Orleans might get him. It looks like New Orleans. New Orleans has they you know put it out there somehow. Information they're they're looking at four guys. Yeah, Hollis Thompson, Quinn Cook. And like two other D League. Kind if of you don't know what Quinn Cook is doing, you should look up his stats. He's basically the Oscar Robertson of the D League. Yeah, and he can't get even a ten day. <laughs> he contract can't get a look. He's getting anywhere. shout outs from LeBron on Twitter. Great job, little bro. He's scoring like thirty three points, eleven assists. Maybe I mean, maybe not so many boards, but Duke in the NBA Twitter, like you know, will tweet out like his, his line his from the line, game, which are like video game stats. It's incredible, yeah. Like he's just scored like thirty-seven and have sixteen assists, and and uh, you know it's not like he's playing against complete chumps in the D League. These are all guys with NBA aspirations, uh, but he's undersized for the NBA. And then I saw somebody tweet if TJ McConnell can start in the NBA, how can Quinn Cook not? Yeah, right. And and uh, TJ McConnell's playing the other, the player. Indiana guy too. Yogi Ferrell is tearing it up. For Dallas, Yogi yeah. Ferrell's like fifteen and five. There, there's certainly not a perfect distribution of of talent on NBA rosters. Like you commit the guys with upside. Yeah, and there's a you know one third of every team's roster, they're bums that that can't play but they have upside. You know, or they, or they got signed to a contract and they're just committed to them, and they don't cut bait generally with these guys. Yeah, you know they don't just cut them and you know because even their their contracts like they have they have Strategic value, you right? Know, like right. trades and the way you the way you get rid of guys, trade exceptions and, and things like that. So, you know, that said, there must be a reason Quinn Cook hasn't gotten the look, and he's been so productive. Why does a Yogi Ferrell get the, the look in, in front of him, or the 76ers, for example, side even Seth signed Seth that. Curry is putting up significant. Like he's he's shooting like 40, Seth Curry's having a great year, forty two, forty three percent from three. Yeah, yeah, and he was in the D League two yeah. years ago. Right. Uh, so, you know, hopefully Quinn Cook gets a look. 
wins some time, wins some playing time, and you know gets on a roster, can do it. It's a real tough life. I've read several books from guys who the had to play that journeyman, the D League, ten day contract thing. I read Paul Shirley's book, and it's it just sounds like you know. Like single-A minor league baseball. Yeah, hopes and dreams. Cheap, and cheap like hotel. Heartbreak cheap after heartbreak. And so, uh, shout-out to Quinn Cook. We love the guy. Yeah. I mean, he was the heart of that that 2010 team, or the 2015 team. We don't win the national championship without him. Uh, what a, You know, what a leader. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he gets a look here. I don't know. Maybe and, we would have uh, been better. Better without him? Yeah, because then Grayson Allen would be starting. Good take. Good take. Also, in that in the Wake Forest game, the the big three came back. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I did want to mention Just, that. Justice, Justice Winslow, Winslow. Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones all came back. Um, and uh, Justice was sitting apart from them. Was he? Well, uh, they were all sort of in the same area. They were all also doing like interviews afterwards. Okafor was whispering sweet nothings in Tyus Jones' ear when they flashed the camera at him. Yeah, and, and Justice is in that uh, armband because he's still recovering from his. Yeah, I thought it was a wrist issue, but it looks like an elbow issue or an arm issue. I mean, we'll get into this after the seasons. We'll check in on all the guys, uh, how they're doing in the NBA, how their seasons went. But what a disappointing season for all three of those guys, <laughs> right? Like, I, I still like feel like Tyus Jones is going to be the best out of all of them. So Okafor is obviously in limbo, and he might get traded. Either way, he doesn't seem to have a clear role on the Sixers. They sit him down. For most of January, and they because they thought they were right on the cusp of trading. Him. Well, they sat him that no, but even before then, he he sat out like nine out of ten games, and he was available to play. Yeah, they just they're playing Embiid and Noel. Yeah, uh, and they're winning these games, <laughs> and like all their advanced metrics are better without Okafor in the court. We don't need to rip Okafor again because I really do like <laughs> like Okafor, and I hope he, you know, Magic Johnson just took the. the President yeah. of basketball job at, uh, at the Lakers. They, they fired Mitch Kupchak. Yeah, dude. It's very surprising. So I'm hoping that uh, Magic I, I, decides he likes Okafor and trades for him. He goes with Ingram and, and Russell. That'd be pretty cool, actually. And Quinn Cook. Yeah. Why don't they pick up Quinn Cook, too? I'll start rooting for the Lakers, and that'll make me just gag. But, uh, you know, Justice Winslow, who was a starter, and, like, you know, he's got the right kind of NBA mojo. Bill Simmons loves him. I hear you know positive things about Justice, and then he gets out with the injury. Yeah, and they go on an eleven game winning streak. They're yeah, they're 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 the second worst record in the league, and they they win. They just start. They don't lose a game. Yeah. after he's out, and he was. Which in they the, were losing games when he was in out which injured before. In the NBA is literally impossible. Like it's impossible to win eleven straight games. Absolutely. No, well, it's not. It's team that bad. That bad a record. It's never happened before. Even for f- phenomenal teams, it's it's like impossible. Very hard. Very hard. You I mean, know, like Golden State. Golden State is doing it all the time. But if you rec- uh, remove them from the equation, it's impossible. No, nah, it's not. It's not impossible. I mean, teams do it every year. But no, no team does it with a with a, a, a sub thirty percent winning percentage. And yeah. then Tyus Jones can't can't get on the court in Minnesota. Despite showing flashes, he's having the best year of all three. Yeah, Chris Dunn is sh- shooting horrifically. Yeah. So, uh, so anyhow, it's good to see them all. Good to see them there. You know, yeah. Over the All Star break, part of the family again. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I I saw a forty five minute video clip. Duke basketball twenty fourteen and twenty fifteen. It's called "From the Valley to the Mountaintops," and it's just a highlight real of that season and that team was phenomenal like those three especially Tyus, Justice, and Jaleel J- Jaleel was so good Justice, Justice was so good Tyus was incredible and then we've got Grayson Allen and Rashid Suleiman coming off the bench I mean that team was just loaded I still like Rashid Suleiman Rashid Suleiman what could have been <laughs> yeah yes I wonder how he's doing in the D-League if he's tearing things up then the competition must be weak I don't think Rashid Sulman is tearing it up anywhere. All right. On that note, we should we should call it a day. Um, we'll uh, we'll do this again two games from now. Yeah. Let's get a couple more W's. Yeah. We'll do uh, do two games, then we'll do two more games. That'll be after the Carolina game. We'll win all four of those. We'll be ranked in the top seven at that point. We'll be looking gunning for a one seed. We'll win the ACC tournament, and we'll just take it all down in in the uh, NCAA's. Sound like a plan? That's when. That's when the season really begins, right in the middle of March.
All right, uh, this is Mike for the uh, Duke Basketball Junkies with my... Uh, my used old, to be my good old, friend. My used to be my, good, my good former friend. friend, Peter, <laughs> who only cares about seeding and the NCAA tournament and not beating Carolina. But I guess we'll keep letting him come on this podcast and call himself a Nice. Good. All right.